is thinking or feeling more important? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for you to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, film critic, filmmaker, overthinking feeler, and with A, as always, is my entertainingly emotional co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, someone who scored almost entirely T on the MBTI <laughs> with zero feelers. So. <laughs> Which surprises nobody. Yeah. You. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not biased at all about today's topic, yes. which is... Ooh, wow. Like, you're getting really good at yeah. those transitions. Uh, today, we're discussing whether thinking or feeling is more important. But first... Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage more with our content and meet other overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail. Um, And they can also go to our online community, the Overthinkers, the private group on Facebook. We would love to have you there along with 10,000 other members posting memes, getting discussions and having fun thinking deeply about all the stuff we talk about here. You can also interact with us and uh, and yell at us in common threads and we'll yell back. Has been known to happen. And we, uh, we enjoy it very much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you do enjoy the podcast, uh, please consider leaving us a review. I really like round numbers and we're at 97 right now. So just like three, three of you, more. just three more, it would give us to 100 and then I can sleep at night and uh, not just lay in terror. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, if you like the podcast, save a review. Uh, only three more, really. So uh, save Nathan's sleep. Yeah, but it, I swear, if it goes to 101, I'll continue back on my uh, anger train. So <laughs> well, I, you guys all ought to have to coordinate. Yeah, if you could all coordinate, that'd be great. Um, and uh, also, you know, if you enjoy it, share with a friend. So that's all. Awesome. Well, you ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay. Depending on who you talk to, we live in a society that thinks too much or feels too much. Psychiatrists like Ian, I'm going to mess up another name, uh, McGilchrist, argued that our culture has so prioritized thinking over feeling that we behave like people who have right hemorrhage damage, hemisphere damage. Articles around giving advice on how to stop overthinking everything are everywhere, but almost never on how to stop overfeeling. And pop culture constantly tells us that we need to think less and feel more. From classic Charlie Chaplin films like A Great Dictator to modern blockbusters like 2009 Star Trek, Oscar winners like A Beautiful Mind, and pretty much every Disney film ever made. On the other hand, many people see a problem with the world as people not thinking enough. Comedian Ricky Gervais posted on Twitter that the world began to crumble when feelings started overruling facts. Many have pointed to the verified rapidly declining critical thinking abilities of Americans to support this view, such as Dr. Stephen Camaradas writing in Psychology Today piece, The Emerging Crisis in Critical Thinking, or the rise of conspiracy theories that don't even try to find supporting data, such as those laid out in the book a lot of people are saying. So, Nathan, like me, you're an interesting paradox because you are an artist. So you have the you you have to have respect for you know the necessity of embracing your feelings, but you also have a podcast titled The Overthinkers <laughs> and deeply prioritize that in your life. So which do you think is more important, thinking or feeling? And how do you find a healthy way of integrating the two? Oh, man. Well, you know, you're talking to old Nathan now. And old <laughs> Nathan is much wiser than young Nathan. Because if you asked young Nathan, which is more important, I would scream at you thinking, you emotional idiot. Uh, of course. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's hard not to be... Sir, little... this is a Wendy's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hard not to be a little biased as we do run a podcast in a community called the overthinker so not only do we think we do it to the extreme uh so so yeah so you know most of my growing up as i said earlier that i was tested on the mbti test which i think is actually a valuable thing to talk about here Mm. um total thinker and and on the test which is based on union psychology there's this the part of the personality that splits off on this uh uh what do you call it? Graph? Um, yeah, uh, spectrum. Spectrum, thank you. 
Oh, lost the words. <laughs> I wasn't thinking very well. <laughs> I was hoping the, my emotions would provide me with the words. Yes. But on the spectrum of you either tend towards thinking, which is analytical, which is you care about truth more than people and feelings. That's me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you think, so you, you care more on the thinking side, what is defined, what is true, what is objective, or what you can analyze. Or you go on the more feeling side, which is more emotional, which is more relational, which is more about um, how people feel, which is about what you feel. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to look at this and look at myself and understand my own biases and my own personality and things. And then look at all of society, right? And so, and, and ask this question, which is more important, thinking or feeling? And so without opinion coming into it, I think a better place to start with is to be analyze society, mm-hmm. what society does and how it's working. Hmm. And, um, you know, I think that we've seen extremes of both. And I hate to be, you know, it's kind of a classic thing here. We always end up right in the middle with a little nuance uh, that ultimately I'm going to tell you, I think thinking and feeling are both incredibly invaluable things to society, to the individual, whoever it is. We have to think, we have to feel. Both your brain and your heart, the metaphors for, need to be um, uh, in conjunction, working symbiotically. Uh, but you look in, in culture right now, which is a, really the question, because we've seen cultures in the past mm-hmm. that have overemphasized uh, thinking and the thinking with thinking comes rules and uh, classifications. And it, overall, this kind of um, mentality, philosophy can be oppressive. It can be uh, it can be. Uh, yeah, oppressive. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good word. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm really losing words today. It, it can be rigid. It can be tyrannical. So yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's like oh, oh, like oh, well, here's here's what you know. I mean, I mean, the eugenics, where it's like, yes. okay, we can tell that scientifically, like you know, all this stuff. Therefore, these people shouldn't mate. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, you look at that and you go, wow. So if we if all we have is thinking, we have no feeling and no relationality to tell us, oh, well, but this is no empathy, no yeah. any of these kind of things, then all we're going to have a, a, a tyrannical, oppressive society. Right. So I think what happened is um, we swung in another direction, right. and which would I would say would be an extreme emotionalism. And um, I think to a lot of people, this is a good swing in sure. their head, yeah. that this will solve everything. So all we used to do is think, and now we feel. So I, I think it's interesting you brought up articles about someone says, we think too much. And I think he's probably still critiquing the yeah. old style of, um, well, we need to uh, uh, document everything and, right. and put it in boxes. We need to, uh, whatever it might be, yeah. and draw strong treat, lines. Treat the world like a machine and, and optimize the efficiency. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think now we're, we have maybe mainstream culture. I'm sure there are sects that don't fall in this category, but mainstream culture has swung more to, towards an emotionalism. You see this in our entertainment, as you pointed out, you know, at the end of most kids shows is uh, stop worrying about what's wrong or right. Just follow your heart. Yeah. And, uh, and, and but that also translates into modern kind yeah. of uh, movies and media. You see uh, this new genre, which is um, people, you know, we talked about a, a show a while ago. I think I cursed it where people say, I'm going to leave my husband and my family because I don't yeah. feel good anymore. Yeah. So it's not based on truth or objectivity. It's about what they feel. And they end up, you know, in reality, if you do that, you're going to cause, you're going to wreak havoc on kids and families and, and households. And so, but you, but it's all justified in the name of, but it felt right. Yeah. And, and you even, you've heard this right. You've heard it from your friends. You've probably heard it in church. Very surely you've heard it in church, but it feels right. I feel this. Yeah. I feel that. And so I think we swung to this opposite side where, feelings are now kind of king of society right now whatever you feel is true yeah and so while i'm very quick to say that thinking in the extreme only thinking is detrimental and can be incredibly oppressive and uh, regressive i think that there might just be in the culture we are today some drawbacks to the over emotionalism we find within today's society yeah no i think i mean so this is really interesting because so i think i think you're right i mean most people if you if you talk to them would probably agree, you need a balance of thinking and feeling. I think most yeah. people probably agree with that. Again, we have a left brain and a right brain. Yes. We, they're roughly half of each other. They wouldn't be built that way if they weren't both important. Yes. And I think most people agree with that. The kind of the question people always ask is, you know, okay, how do we know we're, we're, we're using both or we're getting the balance right? Because, mm. you know, like, you know, Plato, he used the metaphor of like, you know, of the chariot. And he's like, the emotions of the horses, 
and the, the the man steering is is the mind and the mind needs to be steering the emotions so then you know you had um uh, uh thomas hobbes uh, who do talk about well actually the mind is really the slave of the emotions it's just trying to help the emotions get where they want to go more efficiently um and i think that for i think that you know we're asking okay when is it um when are you getting the balance right and i think that for a lot of people what they see is um, they either they suffer or someone else suffers because they either think they're thinking too much or feeling too much. So, mm. you know, people will, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't make a decision fast enough because I was thinking too much. So I should have gone with my gut. So I should have gone with my gut. Feel. I, 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 or I did what my parents said was rational and pursued my business degree. And that made sense to me. I used my brain. That made sense to me. But I ended up at a job I hate instead of pursuing my passion. I should have followed my dreams because then I'd be happy. Exactly. Um, or, I mean, again, Steven Spielberg chronicles a lot. Most of Steven Spielberg's movies, and you kind of alluded to this, are about, you know, the villains are rational, scientific-minded people. Mm. You know, like whether it's it's EDT or it's in, in Amistad or whether it's in uh, Jurassic Park or something like that. They're, they're very rational people are the bad guys. And the people who lead with their heart are the good guys. And I think partly, again, it is this, the 20th century, you had a lot of scientists who were saying, okay, this is the rational thing to do, but it's going to hurt a lot of people. And it hurts a lot yeah. of people, but, but you, but you feeling that, but that, that moral feeling that you have is not valid because it's not rational. There was a lot of that. And again, and sometimes it's overblown because again, like the, the Nazis were all like obsessive artists. They weren't the scientists. So like, you know, sometimes that's a little overblown in history, but and again, remember, most of these stories are written by artists who are very feeler oriented. Yeah, true. So I think, but again, on the other hand, of course, there are people kind of who, who end up, they see like, again, if they have a, a parent who's an alcoholic or is super emotional, and, mm. or they have a family member who's super emotional and keeps making decisions that if they just thought about it, it's like, oh, this, they could solve that problem. And see, it's like, okay, the, or see the chaos in their own lives. Like they do what makes them happy and they end up being miserable. It's like they eat that extra hamburger. <laughs> and then they say, oh, I you feel know, sick. I feel sick. And they say, okay, what you need is to, you know, think through things. And again, you and I look at this again, because, you know, because we look at the world and say, people are making decisions that if you thought about it for two seconds, mm -hmm. would, you know, um, it would see will make them miserable and will do horrible things, whether it's in politics, whether again, we talked about the conspiracy theories episode. It's like, you're believing things that if you thought about it. And then they, they experience disasters and they're like, what happened? We're like, well, if you thought about it, so I come back to taking the data and made an informed, objective decision. It would have had a positive outturn, but because he didn't think through it, and he went with that emotion. Right. And so again, it's interesting because like you talk about you being a thinker. I, it's funny enough, am a feeler. I started as a movie feeler, you know, where it's like I experienced the world first as a bunch of feelings. Oh man, it's, that sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> it's like, well, and, and, and where, where it's like, okay, something happens to me and I have a bunch of strong feelings. And, but the thing is, those feelings are very chaotic and I don't know what they mean. And they sometimes make me very uncomfortable. Okay. And so then what I do is I, my mind comes in and starts organizing it and starts saying, okay, this feeling is this over here. And this means this. And I start organizing. So the way I see it for me is, is for feeling and thinking more important. It's like, well, they're both important, but what are their purposes? Oh, and that's for a me, good way to, yeah. for me, the purpose of thinking, there's a, one of the big purposes of thinking is to organize my emotions. So that I know where they should go. What's and what's true and what's, what's not. What's true. Because again, I can feel like somebody, again, if somebody, I'm jealous of somebody, I can feel like they're a bad person. But then I have to say, well, sometimes they are, but it's like, okay, is this feeling about me being jealous or is it about me picking up on something? Is it true? Oh, interesting. Is it true? Yes. And so well, they there's a real quick okay, of here. Speaking about the MBTI, they say that so INFJs and ENTPs. Um, are, are two different kind of personality types. One is very emotional, one is yeah. very logical, but they say that both these personality types often come to the same conclusions, but through entirely different methods, yes. which is interesting. The INFJ, the feeler, is going to come to those conclusions through listening to their feelings about yeah. a particular thing or person. In the, in the ENTP, the thinker is going to think through the data and discover these things. Right. And so I, I'm in a weird place because, again, I start out as a feeler, but... I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if these feelings are true. And so I often, I will go running around to the data and saying, but what my feelings often do is they'll give me the direction to look for. 
Mm. So I was like, this is an interesting thing. And I feel this way about this. Let me go research this because I have a hunch that this might be where I find what I'm looking for. Interesting. I I was explaining to my wife a while ago how (laughs) all the good sentences start explaining to my wife. Well, and this will actually get to a greater point of that. I think marriage illustrates very well, but I was explaining to my wife that she was talking about how she experiences emotions and it was totally foreign to me. I was like, really? That's what goes on. Even like when you say I I had this flood of emotions, what? That's crazy. (laughs) Literally crazy. (laughs) If you're feeling you're crazy is what I'm trying to say. That's the lesson you're supposed to get. Put that on a quote poster, put my name on it. (laughs) Make me the villain. Um, But no, I I, I explained to her that I think my feelings, I think my Mm. anger, I think my jealousy, I think, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, in being married, which is where I want to go, why I think it's a really valuable thing is while I, I think it's there are really high benefits of thinking my feelings right. because I can come to objectivity. Um, I, I can come to a, a, maybe a more objective perspective yeah. on the things that I'm going through, whatever it might be, investigate them, use data. But what I've also found is that in doing that, I became really uh, uh, suppressed mm. because I didn't get to actually experience my emotions. Right. That's not something I naturally did. And so being married, being married to a feeler, my wife is an F, I'm a T, she's a feeler, I'm a thinker. It was an interesting thing because all of a sudden I had this place, this safe place with which I could experience my emotions, mm. which I find to be a very healing thing. And you don't have to get married to do this. You can do this in therapy, you can do this with a close friend. But when you find someone, especially as a thinker, who can help you experience your emotions, it's not even necessarily about the truth, quote, yeah. Of course, the truth is, you know, my ultimate thing. So don't, I'm not going to, I'm not saying (laughs) the truth, but there is this thing. Don't at him about that. Yeah. It's about a lot of other things. Yeah. Tons of other things. (laughs) Plenty of things to at me about, but (laughs) not that. So I'm I'm not saying the truth is bad, but I'm saying it's not the only good. Yeah. That one of the goods I have found was before I start trying to see what is true, what is this, what what exactly, you know, analyzing the whole thing through my thoughts, I I found that experiencing my pain. Yeah. Or my frustration and allowing myself to vent through that with someone yes. was a really healthy process. Conversely, now I got to throw my wife under the bus, is she would, like you would talk about the kind of flood of emotions and feeling lost in those. Yeah. And I would come as the thinker and probably much to her annoyance very often. And I would say, let's think through this. Yeah. So what is true? What is not true? What is going to happen? What isn't going to happen? What yeah. is that? Is that uh, you know verifiable? Is this it's yeah. a, is this something we can do something about? There's, right. a, there's a great YouTube video. Oh, I was thinking about this. I've probably said this before in the podcast, but it's called "It's Not About the Nail." And you mm-hmm. see these two different people. You see an F and a T who are both processing this thing that's a reality to both of them. But one one needs to process. It's trying to process emotionally. The other is trying to process logically. And they're both talking past each other. That the joke is there's someone. <laughs> Okay, one friend goes to another friend, and the one friend has a nail in their head, and and they keep on talking about, oh, it, it really hurts, and it's, it's so hard. So I feel nail. this pressure. I feel this in pressure my head, yeah. in my head. It's a pain. It's like a sharp shooting pain, and the, kind of like a nail. Yeah. <laughs> and the other friend, who's a thinker, is like, well, I think it's probably the nail if we take it out. And the other friend goes, stop, stop trying to fix everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here you see a great example of a thinker and a feeler, because I think actually both of their responses yeah. are right yeah. and are necessary. Yes. Like you were saying, are useful. I think it's important to recognize the pain yeah. and say, I'm having pain, I want to work through this. What do I, and I think it's also important to recognize the reality of the situation that yeah. you should probably take the nail out of your head. So I That's agree really with good. you on, there are practical benefits to both. And I think what we've exemplified a little bit is that, Without the presence of both yeah. in the same place working together, you're going to have an unintegrated, unhealthy, either individual group or society. We even see this in church. We've talked yeah. about this. Yes. Joseph and I have had a really hard time finding churches <laughs> because we find that there's two extremes. There's one that's all about the moralism, the rules, the kind of the cold theology about this is what's right, this is what's wrong, the ritual. And it's like, oh, wow, it's boring and dry and it's lifeless. And then you go to another church and it's all about, I feel this and I feel that. And it's just, yeah. and it's like, yeah, but what what's true? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so we we found that people tend towards groups and even just individually towards one extreme or the other. Yeah. 
And I think both of them have extreme detriment when they separate from each other, when they are divorced. But as we see, they both have extreme usefulness and health when working in conjunction. Well, that's a really great point that you make about it's because one of the things that people often will say, and there was a um, study that was in the Harvard Business Review about um, people who make decisions. Um, it was like a how to stop overthinking everything was in the article. And one of the things they talked about is that people who um, who make uh, think about the decision and then pretty quickly afterwards go with their gut are usually happy with the decision mm. because you know their their gut is picking up on more things that they maybe haven't rationalized through. So you okay. talk about the fact that you know when you start to accept your emotions and be able to just experience that. The thing is, you're actually able to process through other things that your mind wasn't processing through. Interesting. Actually, was a practical benefit. Right. Because, again, you were thinking through it rationally. But, again, the rational mind picks up on a lot of things but doesn't pick up on everything. Mm. Again, there's a reason why people say, I feel like that person is creepy, but I don't know why. Because it's picking up on a lot of things your mind doesn't have time to rationalize through. So if you don't acknowledge your emotions, you're not picking up on as much stuff. Or you're ignoring the stuff you are picking up. Because you could look at a person and be like, well, technically, they're just a person who is wearing clothes. They're not creepy technically. And then you get, you know, attacked. Exactly. Something like that. So, exactly. So, you need to have room for that. Um, and also, again, you're, you, you can't, when you're, if you're making a decision, again, there's only so much time people talk about this. You can just go over and over and over again, the rational side of it. Eventually, it's like you're just going to run out of things. So, like, there's benefits to, like, but also, again, the principle that Friedrich Hayek talked about, about local knowledge. The, mm. Your emotions are also a truth, a reality. They're a part of reality. Yes. The fact I am mad. There is a fact that you're feeling this. Yes, exactly. And being able to integrate that into whatever other truth it is, is a really important Why am I feeling this? Why what does it mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so and one of the things that there's been some psychiatrists who talk about the fact that, like, you know, husbands often get annoyed at their wives about, like, why are you wanting to express the problem? Why don't we want to solve it? Don't we want to solve it? Because until they verbalize the problem long enough, they don't actually understand the problem. Interesting. And so there's that aspect of it. On the other hand, again, the problem with saying wanting to stay there, there's an interesting thing about staying there because a lot of people, there is an addictive quality that comes with, I feel this and I just want to stay in my feelings regardless of whether they're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So I got to bring up two examples of this. One is this new phenomenon. I shared you with this because it just drove me insane. This, the phenomenon of spoonies. Wait, wait, remind me. It's basically people that build online communities around being sick. Their identity is that I'm sick. It's like, I feel sick and I feel bad about myself. And so I'm going to diagnose myself on the internet and decide I'm sick and create YouTube channels about the fact that I'm Mm. sick. And they discover, people have discovered, it's like they just almost invent and, you know, their own sickness to some degree, or at least wildly expand on it. They talk about helping each other lie to their doctors about their symptoms. So the doctors will give them what they want. So it's all online communities. And then they discovered once their parents took away their phones and when they actually got help, it was like, oh, I invented like 90% of this. Wow. So it's like an an ideological or an identifying factor of, of, um, uh, hypochondria. Right. The other thing is, again, you talk about sort of, you know, again, we all, we both are supporters of therapy on this show. Yes. And of course, but one of the things sometimes what people do, there's different ways of doing therapy. One of them is, you know, there's a part of it, which is just expressing your, yes. your emotions and stuff like that, which is a very good thing. But one of the things there's a uh, Dr. James Penny Baker, who's an American psychologist who discovered that if you made your patients write down the problem that's going on wow. at a certain point, then those people needed to go to therapy less over time. Wow. Because that was them rationalizing and putting together the actual understanding the problem. The narrative almost. The narrative of it. Instead of just expressing it, they organized it. So this is, so you also say is that, you know, this is a large, a long way. Because we're talking about, again, we, I think everyone agrees you need to have a balance. And what is balance? For me, what the balance looks like, and this is why I observe myself and other people, is you have to have them be, a, it be a conversation. Hmm. A conversation between your emotions and your intelligence. I want to see what you think of this. Is sort of why I'm bringing this. Yeah, up, yeah. Is for me is I have feelings, and then my mind says, "Okay, let's organize this and figure out, sort it out. What's true, what's not, and what's neutral. It's just what you're feeling, you know, and identify, yeah. categorize, and identify. And then I will think through something. And then if I, and again, if my feelings, and if there's something, I feel something. I'm like, well, is this true or not? And then if I still feel like something's true, I'll, I'll 
follow that through. And like, you know, maybe again, that will lead me to the truth or maybe it won't, but I will, I will verify it with my thinking. I will think things through and then eventually something will feel wrong. And I'll say, well, why does that feel wrong? Mm. And I'll follow that through. But the idea for me has always been, it's a constant conversation between the two. They're always talking to each other. My feelings are always being verified by my thoughts. My thoughts are always being verified by my feelings. I love that. And I actually love the concept of conversation because a conversation can only happen by two people or subjects in relationship mm-hmm. to some degree. And so I guess the idea that I love to see individually and societally, even within our own small subsects of groups, I would love to see um, a, a relationship happen between our emotions and our thoughts, yeah. our thinking and our feeling. Because I think until then, we talk about this, yeah. the extremes, you're going to be literally humanly, psychologically yeah. unbalanced. And that's not a good thing. And so if you find yourself either in a group yeah. or individually, someone who is very taken by their emotions, who, and you, you, you know, you might, th- this might happen when yeah. someone says, you know, you should think through this. And you say, I don't want to think through this. Yeah. I just feel it's right. If you have said that to someone, I might encourage you to start e- either yeah. find a group or a book or whatever it is, or, or a therapist to start saying, you know, I want to, I want to work out that muscle of thinking more. Yeah. And conversely, if you were like me and you're <laughs> someone who has spent your whole life analyzing things, uh, just just thinking things, just what, what's the logic, what's the yeah. object, uh, the objective reality here, um, but you find yourself, you have this kind of uh, yeah. it just inner fist in your chest that just. I would encourage you to find a place again, therapist, relationship. You can get married like me. Uh, call my wife. She's great at this. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave her number in the show notes. Um, but you can. You might want to think that through. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can, you need to find a place where you can go, okay, I, I think a lot and I will. Yeah. That's good. But I need to experience these. I need to feel these. Yeah. And that's actually hard for me to say. That goes against everything my <laughs> nature believes. But I, I only say that because it's actually had practical, yeah. um, uh, positive results in my life. And so I would encourage, and so right now as a society, I would say we're leaning on the, yeah. on the extreme of emotion. Well, I feel this so it's true. And I feel yeah. this so I can do this to this person or we can ban this person or exclude this thing yeah. or what I feel so I can leave my, this, you know, cut this relationship, leave this, yeah. whatever it is. So we're in this really highly emotional place. And I already see this kind of, um, especially, you know, like in these TikTok subgroups, yeah. uh, th- this pull back towards um, rationalism. Yeah. And it, a lot of people are glad. And I am glad because I want to see balance brought to modern society. But I'm also a little worried yeah. because, because I'm worried that we're going to go from this hyper emotional, yeah. um, hyper empathetic place. And we're going to swing in this opposite direction. Right. Uh, I, I see a lot of young men groups yeah. doing this and it worries me actually, because I think you're going to swing to this opposite, very harsh, very rigid, yeah. um, very judgmental, uh, thinking place. And what I'd love to see all society and it starts with the individuals with us is to learn how to integrate these parts of ourselves so, in a more healthy way. So what I, I would ask, so as, as, as we're sort of getting to the latter end of our, 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 our episode is how should a person know? if they're going into um, uh, one extreme or another? How does a person oh, know that's a great question? Because again, it makes sense. Like, okay, if things. you're, if you're going, it makes sense to say, if you're going to one extreme, practice the other. It's like, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, but how do you know you're um, going into that extreme? Well, you know, there's that old quote and it's really pretty uh, terrible. It's, it's not a, it's not a very <laughs> great quote, but there's a lot of holes in this logic, but it'll work here. Um, the, the quote is if, if you, uh, the definition of insanity, which is not, I don't believe, mm-hmm. uh, but the definition of insanity is try the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's awesome. If you have seen a uh, a continued yeah. um, set of events that that almost seem like they're on replay yeah. in your life, and you go, why? Let's let's give it a couple of examples. Let's say you find yourself in a stream of bad relationships. Right. And in every every one of those relationships is these kind of these things that keep on rearing their ugly heads. Yeah. And you go, why does this keep on happening to me? That might be a time to investigate. Yeah. Um, and say, is it because I'm maybe I'm going to my feelings? Or if you have a stream of, you know, losing friendships because people are offended 
mm-hmm. by what you've said or, or, and you go, what, that, that's not, what, why does it happen? Why do people keep on leaving me? Why do I keep on getting left out? Yeah. Why do, why do I keep on getting friendships that break yeah. apart? You might want to go, hmm, am I not using my empathetic relational yeah. feeling knowledge enough? And I might need to add that into my thinking because that, that has happened to me before. I've offended people before and not cared one and <laughs> Uh, and not really, well, they, that, that's stupid. I, I was yeah. right. It doesn't matter if they're offended. <laughs> yeah. But then you'll find yourself alone. Yeah. And and I don't, no one wants to be alone. So there are two extremes here. So I'd say one, look at the patterns in your life. Yeah. And especially the negative patterns yeah. and say, huh, are those happening as a result of how I'm processing my emotions and thoughts? Uh, two is I would listen to some buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this is funny, but a lot of times I can tell where a person uh, lies as far as their extreme and thoughts or emotions by the things and narratives they say, the phrases they use. Mm-hmm. You know, one for the emotionalism uh, side is, um, I don't know why I just feel it. Mm. If you are someone who says that or e- ever has or say it even semi-often, investigate that. It, likewise, if you are someone who says, it doesn't matter if they're offended, I'm right. Mm. Or facts don't care about their feelings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not a nice thing. Uh, you should care about someone's feelings and the facts. Yeah, uh, those are both valuable things. And so, if you are someone who says these kinds of phrases, and you know, there's a million, but you know, yeah. them, um, investigate that and go, what am I justifying? Hmm. And is this serving me? Is this going to be helpful in my life, or is this brought detriment? And so, I would look at the things you say and the long period of um, uh, of circumstances in your life yeah. that continue to repeat. So, so I, I love that. And so I would, I, I'm going to agree with that and, um, and add something to it, which is that if you see things are not life that are not working and you have friends, this is one thing I would actually advise, if have friends who are both more emotional and more, more thinkers and more feelers than you and find um, things in your life are not working and see which of your friends it's working for. Mm. So it's like, if, things in my life are not working. And for my thinking friends, it's working better. Maybe you should try thinking a little more. Yeah. And if you're, you know, again, if, if you're, uh, if you things not working, but it's working a lot better for your feeling friends, maybe you need to see if they're doing something right. Uh, so again, like it's like, if I, if I'm thinking too much, I'm not making a decision fast enough. My friends who are making quicker decisions, things are going better for them. Maybe I need to trust my gut a little bit more, mm. you know, so that's, or if you're jumping into things. things, you're jumping into things too much and things are happening, but your friends who are thinking things through, things are going better for them. Maybe try that. The other thing I would say is if you're, if, if your lifestyle requires you to dismiss the other side. Oh. So it's like, if you ever, if somebody is saying, think about this and you're always dismissing that. If, mm. And if the things you believe. Or you quite, can't even, you're not allowed to think about exactly. it. Exactly. If, if you're in a community, you're not allowed to think about it. Or if you just. Are dismissing, or again, if in your community and your lifestyle requires you to say, "Well, what about this?" You know how I feel or how you feel, and it requires you to dismiss it. Again, it's a conversation. If you're not in conversation with each other yeah. about it and saying, "How am I integrating my emotions or how am I integrating logic?" Then, then that's something that you need to, I think, address. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic. There's this concept that you will learn should you or have you gone to therapy. Hmm. It's called it's a psychological concept of integration. Yeah. And they say that basically that psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists have come to this understanding, this vernacular, this language they use for unhealthy people, uh, which is called disintegration, Mm. which is, it means that there are parts of yourself that aren't connected and working together, essentially, that you were kind of spread out over this table and that the goal of therapy and and psychology, uh, or, you know, going through the psychological process to become healthier is to bring these things, bring these puzzle pieces and put them together. And so that's kind of the picture I'd use is what, what part of my either emotions and my thoughts are disintegrated, um, and maybe they're both are, and how can I bring those things together to work in tandem uh, and so we can have a symbiotic relationship where my mind and my heart are working together to provide me more information, more mm-hmm. catharsis to live a better life and make better choices. Well, that sounds great. Anything else? Uh no. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I was waiting if it. I felt something. Yes. I, <laughs> I, th- I appreciate that. There's a lot of growth. There. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, then we get to move on to blesses and curses. So we take a piece of work of art, recent media or resource that we think is 
uh, does a good job or a bad job of um, talking about the subject that we talked about. So you can either uh, go look it up and find it or uh, uh, stay far away from it. So Nathan, um, what are some examples? What are some of the things you want to bless and curse today? Well, I wanted you to go first so I could say, oh, okay. so I could say age before beauty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, good one. <laughs> Classic. Um, yes. Oldie but goodie. Um, uh, all right. So I'm going to, first thing I'm going to bless is, I'll get one of them out of the way first because it's just a classic good recommendation. If you haven't read or watched uh, Sense and Sensibility yet, oh, yeah. you know, the I, I'm thinking for watching, I'm thinking of the um, classic Ang Lee, Emma Thompson um, one because it is just, just a really great exploration of people who, go too much to one side or the other. Two sisters, there's two sisters. One of them is too sensible and logical. The other one just is too led by emotions. And so that's, you know, and you just get to see worked out. It's a, it's just a well done romance story and it shows the the problems of both and how to integrate, the people learn to integrate. So really people hated the new one. Uh, the, there's a new one. I thought that the new one oh, was no, persuasion. persuasion. Yeah. Sorry, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> oh, uh, send oh. it mail to him. Send it to him. <laughs> he's, he's the Austin fan. Yes. I, I, uh, shamefully, I've never read it. Did he Austin? Well, that's okay. We love you anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, then, um, uh, yes, all right. So there's uh, my my other blessed, which is it's a movie that's just come out that I adore. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And it is a no spoilers. Yes, I, I, it's it's it is a you know horror comedy satire that's about you know a bunch of Gen Z who get together in a mansion and somebody ends up dead. And of course, what it's it's almost like a whodunit, like a classic advocate of Christie. But it's it does a great job of actually exploring what you were talking about when you were talking about like is our society you know to think too much or feel too much. It really does a good job of exploring the fact that. There's a lot of virtues and beliefs that the, they have that we have as a society that nobody's actually thought through or integrated. So it hasn't actually worked its way into ourselves, what we believe in a way that actually makes us better people. Give, give the example you gave earlier. So yeah, there's, like, there's one character towards the beginning, and this is not spoiler because it's like a first act, where somebody says, oh, good defense, the best defense is a good offense. And somebody says, what does that mean? And he says, well, it means the best defense is a good offense. It's like, well, what does that mean? And it's and they just the characters they haven't ever explored, and because they haven't ever explored what they believe, it hasn't been integrated into themselves. So they don't actually have any moral fiber or good decision. It feels power. true, but they haven't thought through it enough. Exactly. To wise. And I, I think that is a good picture of you know your example of like our society. Again, if you look at society around us, you know people believe a lot of things that they can't verify, but they believe it with a lot of conviction. Mm. And so it's that's um. I think a really good, a uh, good example of that, and so definitely, I can't wait for you to see it. It's a, it's a, and I think definitely, if you're if you're fine with an R-rated material, I think it is. I'm a, not. I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm better. You're better, better than, than you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I say so for curse. Um, I go back back and forth about doing this, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna oh, get people wow. mad at me. Yes. Okay. Uh, again, a uh, uh, disclaimer. These are all Joseph Holmes' <laughs> opinion. Uh, and by the way, if you want to come on, this this person, this author, if you want to come on and explain to me why I'm wrong, I'm very happy with that. And I will sit back and just and just watch. Yes, <laughs> yes yeah. as you are so wont to do. Yeah, I know. No, I I I'm reading this book called Art and Faith, and it is a very a very popular book um, in the the Christian artistic circles. And it's I there's there's stuff about it that I really like. Again, as an artist, as a, a as a as a you know an artist and as an intellectual, I like the fact that he says that we should, you know, we should focus on on making and creating art and that's and and culture making and that's a good thing. The problem is it is part of this you know modern uh, kind of Christian spiritualizing emotions where he does say in the book, listen to your feelings, and that will teach you what the Holy Spirit is saying. And you know mm. I. Uh, and that's, I'm sorry, but it's never been viewed. It's, that, yeah, exactly. That, that it's, 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 it's not, it's not true. I mean, you know, integrating your feelings and your, your, and your mind will make you wiser and will make, like we said, but thinking that your feelings are going to lead you to the Holy Spirit. And again, he says in there, you know, that if you listen, it will, it will cause you to, um, to hear the Holy Spirit and therefore to 
overcome and, and think and feel beyond your tribe. But again, the author of the book, I respect him a lot. He's made a lot of great art. There's nothing he writes in there that transcends his tribe, you know, mm. the, of the intellectual cosmopolitan Christian, you know, uh, it's, it's, and so it's, I think that that sort of the secular world deifies our emotions in one way. And Christians deify our emotions another way by saying, if I feel it really strongly, then it's a Holy Spirit. And this sort of, this encur strongly encourages that. It there was a girl in youth group when I was young and she came up to my friend. Um, I won't throw him under the bus and say his name <laughs> or, or her. And she said, uh, I feel the Holy Spirit just told me that we're supposed to get married. <laughs> Long story short, they didn't get married. So the Holy Spirit was either wrong or sometimes people can uh, allow their emotions yeah. to be confused with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and uh, and again, I'm not saying that, that emotions and intellect and all things can't be venues for that, but that is very dangerous to encourage and explicitly say that's how you hear from the Holy Spirit. So, well, especially to say that's the only way you hear from the Holy Spirit. Right. Or to, that, yes, or, or to put it too strongly on that. Yeah. Um, there there's, has to be more to hearing the Holy Spirit than just listening to your intuition. All right. So that's what I got. Um, Nathan. Okay. Well, let me see. I have, um, ba -ba 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 -ba. I'm going to pull up my things. Everyone shut up. I'm doing it. Hold on. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Wait, no, I have the book, but I don't know how to pronounce the title of my book, but Joseph figured it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now you're going to come back to me again. Yeah, I'm coming back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my logic got me nowhere. Neither did my emotions. So how do you pronounce the lot the the title of my my bless okay encridian 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 i have to look at it again it's so small encridian 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 okay yes. nice nice uh i wasn't going to attempt that um, <laughs> so it's one of those classic cases of me reading the book and having never heard anyone say its title so you know Enchiridion. <laughs> if that sounds right and wrong all at once but it's by epictetus you know, i'm probably mispronouncing his name as well but uh as you guys know i'm a i, I like stoicism to a degree i'm not like a sellout like chill out guys all right <laughs> um it's it's a short book but i think that it's a great intro to um using if you are someone who errs errors errs on the side of emotionalism i think that epictetus might be a great place to start it's a short book it's, it's digestible even though it was written by a guy thousands of years ago uh greek stoic and it's essentially kind of boils down to stoic philosophy which is um look at the world realistically yeah look at the the order understand it and then you're not going to be at the whim of the world's chaos mm -hmm. because if you look at it realistically and you use your mind to understand things um and not to get hyper worked up about things and feel this great emotion for things i mean they even go he even goes as far to be like you know look at your wife and child every day and say they are but beings and they will die and so remind yourself of this every day so you will not be surprised when they do so they take it a little far that, that was the one part of the stoics that saint augustine like really didn't like yeah. <laughs> it was like man that's kind of awful no the, so i will admittedly say they definitely take it too far yeah. but if you are already on on the other side and you yeah. need some something to kind of maybe ground you or at least start pulling you and giving an understanding of maybe what it's like to kind of look at the world through a more logical more thought-based uh, analytical lens i think this is a great place to start and it's a short place to start so you can jump into a classic greek um intellect and feel very smart like i do and hoity-toity without having mm -hmm. to invest that much time <laughs> my favorite kind of thing that's, yeah that's exactly what we want our audience to do <laughs> i want to look good and sound smart without having to do much work yep um <laughs> so definitely check that out and then conversely i'm going to bless a book that is much more based on emotion um it, it's called the remarkable ordinary by the late frederick Buechner. Mm. And he, Frederick Buechner was a minister, a, uh, a memoirist, a writer. He's nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, a novelist. Really just amazing, amazing mind. I don't agree with everything he says, but it's hard not to when you read him. He writes in such a winsome and beautiful way uh, to be taken by what he says. And he obviously loved God and loved life and loved people very much. And that's very apparent in his writing. And you can tell that 
in his writing, in his memoirs and his storytelling, um, it's not really analytical writing. He's not mm. trying to provide data. He's not trying to provide, well, you should do this and this is why this means this. And so weirdly enough, as a thinker who, who, who probably errs on the mm. side of analyticism and thinking, it was really a cathartic experience for me reading his, I think it might be his last book, The Remarkable Ordinary, which is he tells a story and he talks about what he feels and what he, and what he went through. And it allowed me uh, a very kind of healing and um, cathartic moment while I read this book. Again, it's a short book, um, but it's really beautiful and it's emotional. And it's written yeah. from an emotional man who writes from his emotions. And, but in reading that, I really saw the value. Mm-hmm. of that because I, I read a lot of epictitus kind of things yeah. and that are all okay let's see the data let's see this and i found something in his emotional prose that really comforted me mm-hmm. my emotions and released things in me and freed me in a way and so i love both of these books and yeah. they couldn't be more opposite in their maybe approach and so i, I gotta bless the remarkable ordinary all right, one of my cursing, I already forgot. Um, oh, no, I didn't because I'm stealing <laughs> a curse from my wife um, who read a book <laughs> who, read, who read a book so I didn't have to. Very popular book. And so I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give the curse and a negative review without ever having read it just based off the plot, um, which I know still know very little about. Um, just bits and pieces of what she's told me as she was reading it um, angrily and, and yelling during the course of her reading this. Uh, so it, <laughs> It's called um, Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. I know if you have hate mail, you got to send it to her, but I haven't read it. (laughs) The good thing is we haven't given her email address. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) She has a new podcast coming out. You can go and hate listen to that. Oh, yeah. It's called Dear Wallflower. Uh, Oh, that's a nice title. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go and- Little plug there. Yeah, a little little plug. Gotta gotta do what you can. And, you know, write her the hate mail. Um, But from what I've heard, this story sounds like the heights of justifying negative behavior based on emotion. Yeah. And it's uh, apparently the book starts out with someone having an affair, married people having an affair. And um, she's like, I kept on reading till, you know, she learned her lesson or she grew. No, nope, this had an affair the entire time. It's totally okay. Cause she feels like it. And so to me, that narrative, it's in yeah. a lot of stuff nowadays. And it's in a lot of romance stuff as yeah. well. And I think that's such a destructive thing. And especially, you know, I talked about a show I watched a while ago and it was the whole show was celebrating two people leaving their children and families and cheating on their, on their spouses with someone else because they felt like it. Yeah. And so this to me is setting a really dangerous precedent for, yeah. um, for over emotions and valuing your emotions, almost even over morality or what's yeah. true, what's real, what's practical, because those kids are going to be screwed up yeah. because of those kind of decisions. So yeah, I got to, I got to, and the, I guess my problem with Sally Rooney's book is that it's so popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't have cursed it if it wasn't so popular, but to me, that means a lot of people who admittedly love the book find no problem with yeah. justifying whatever behavior they want by how they feel. And I think that's really dangerous. Um, so I got I to gotta curse something to make it even on the thinker side. Um, well, I'll give you time to think about it. Okay, I, you got something else? I, I realized. I realized. Oh, I didn't. I was thinking the same thing. I didn't curse some. I cursed, you know, something that was too emotional, but I didn't curse something too. Oh, emotional. so we got to be balanced. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was like, well, here's what I know. It's going to make me mad. Um, I'll I'll curse again because you blessed it just recently. I'll curse. Don't look up, uh, <laughs> because that's I get what again one about again a whole thing is about oh we're the rational people we're and we're so much so much smarter than all the stupid people and of course. My problem with it is, first of all, I just think that it's it, it's underdeveloped characters and the humor is hit and miss. But also, it's we're so much better than everybody else because we're smarter. But also, we're going to reduce the problems to everybody is stupid and evil instead of mm. instead of the fact that problems are complicated, you know, and it's difficult. And the reason why people disagree with each other is because problems are complicated. Nope. I problem is I'm smarter than everybody else, and everybody's stupid and evil, and that's why um, they're not doing things my way. And that is the problem that comes with hyperintellectualism ah, okay. is reducing the problem to something that you can solve like a machine and that everyone disagreeing with you is, you know, can be gotten out of the way with or dismissed or demeaned. I feel like somewhere in here we should have said something about WandaVision because that's like a perfect example Ooh, interesting. of like where emotions, how detrimental 
Um, because she was justified in her emotions of grief. Yes. Um, but like it actually had a really negative effect on an entire town. Well, this is we could it's really fascinating because we we could it'd be interesting discussion to have. Did the show romanticize her? Because it's like, you know, on the one hand, it's like she brainwashed the entire town. It's like, yes, but she was grieving. So, like, you know, so it's like, did but did the show portray her mostly as a as a villain or as a as a sort of, you know, a, yeah. she, she meant well, you know, and she, she so was just okay. grieving, so it's okay. That's, a, that's an interesting debate I've seen on the internet, you know, about did they romanticize her in that show? Um, I can't think of a book, unfortunately, in culture that right now or, or a movie right now that over romanticizes thinking over feeling. That I think it's going to be harder to find in this current culture. Yeah. I think if I went back probably 60, 70 years, I probably could. Probably, yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know what? I, I'll, I'll curse. Um, <laughs> I don't even know the name of them, but there are these books and they would be sold at like homeschool fairs when I'd be growing up. And there were like these moral tales, like, you know, a, a modern day night or whatever. Um, and I can't remember what they're called, but basically they're just moralism. It's just do the right thing uh, all the time or you'll probably die. <laughs> and so it's like, um, there's, it wasn't about empathy. It wasn't about a relationship. It wasn't, yeah. it was just do the right thing or Follow else. the rules or you'll die. Yeah. So I'll curse whatever those books were called. Someone email. Somebody, yeah, email. Yeah. You might get a lot of different titles because that sounds like every like, <laughs> yeah. Christian children's bookstore. It was like super popular. I think in like the thirties or something like goodness gracious, but they republished a lot of them. Like, and I remember reading these and books. Me? No, no, no. McGee and me, that's sacred. Don't you okay. dare talk I, I, never, I never read it. I don't know. It's, it's, that was a one. It was a TV show. How dare you? Well, I thought it was a book series first. Okay. Probably. It probably <laughs> was. But uh, yeah, all that to say is, yeah. So if you go back far enough, you can find terrible books like that. And I remember reading those. And my parents even going, wow, these are, these are just <laughs> harsh. And so you see that moralism and, and just thinking can be. Um, yeah. pretty bad too so there you go it's even everyone happy is everyone happy yeah the now? one that, the one that you were able to name and talk about a lot and the one that you couldn't even remember the don't name point of. that out <laughs> <laughs> oh well cool well this is awesome well thank you so much guys for joining us for this we'd love again your love and hate mail push back on anything that you said or think we didn't go far enough or went too far on something love that um uh if you do um uh have anything you want to say where can they reach out and get to you, uh, interact with us? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com and go to our online Facebook group called the Overthinkers, where they can interact with tons of overthinkers. Yeah. And also, if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me um, or you can go to my socials, just type in Nathan Clarkson, and you can shop all your Nathan Clarkson needs by entering my name on Amazon and supporting a poor starving artist by reading one of my books or watching one of my movies. Wow. They're pretty good. <laughs> They're ice. So, nice underselling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can. I'm on all the socials as well. And also, I have my website, josephholmstudios.com. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. And feeling about. No. Yes. No. Just thinking.